and welcome to episode 67 of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Yes, of the Pirate, Pirate Monk, Monk Podcast. Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Nate Larkin. Nate Larkin. Here with our co-host, with the most, from the coast. With the echo. Aaron Porter. <laughs> Porter, Porter, Porter. And our fearless engineer, Mundo Grimes. Greetings. It is another Mondo. fabulous Tuesday morning. At least here in Franklin, Tennessee. I don't know what it's like out there uh, in San Luis, Aaron. We had a thunder and lightning show on Saturday like we rarely get. It was awesome. Really? Okay. Amazing. I was in Simi Valley, and a neighbor up the street had a a pot explode. Lightning struck a terracotta pot, a big one on the porch. Oh, that kind of pot. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes, it was a message from God. They were growing the evil cannabis, and God burned it with lightning. No, a terracotta pot on their porch. Okay. And what's with you Tennessee people? What do you think? This is Humboldt County? We're in San Luis County uh, okay. here. Okay, all right. So, I yeah, am, amazing I lightning. The, I am told that the cannabis is the number one cash crop in the state of Tennessee. Have you ever heard that stat? No, I have not. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, don't know if it's true or not, but it makes for great small talk. Yes, it does. In certain and in, in, in other places, it's a it good icebreaker. Yeah, some places it can kill a conversation. It depends on when you bring it I, up. I, yeah. It's usually best to start that sentence with "Good morning, Pastor," and then do it. That's where it's most fun. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I roll. Well, it is. Uh, it's just great to be back together with you guys. I'm feeling good to you know. Last week it was raining. Yeah, yeah. And I felt crappy mm-hmm. all week. I'm right there with you. You know? Yeah. I was depressed. I had a hard time focusing on work. My creativity seemed to have gone to Honduras or something. <laughs> it was awful. I had no idea, really. Uh, I know that I like to get out of town in the wintertime. I like to go yeah. where it's warm. Mm-hmm. But I really got a glimpse last week of how uh, sensitive I am just to something as simple as a seasonal change. made me feel very, very weak, actually. Yeah. So we want to give a shout-out to all our brothers in Seattle. We feel you, dogs. (laughs) We feel you. Ah, yeah. How do folks live out there in the gloomy Northwest? Uh, I don't know. I need sunshine. I know that my uh, melatonin needs to be happening uh, or i get really depressed like that i would not be a seattle guy yeah Yeah. i love aspects of the culture but i would become a statistic yeah i'm right there with you man i definitely need the sun Mm -hmm. i'm a sun person all Mm -hmm. the way Mm -hmm. i hear you hey um aaron i really want to hear about the serbian wedding (laughs) (laughs) can you tell us about the serbian wedding you know uh, I'm just not ever going to leave you messages again since I know they're all going to come up on the podcast. Sure. Uh, let me let me think for Dobrodošli svima uimu isuse. Huh? Okay. All right. Huh? That means uh, I, welcome, okay. I welcome you all in the name of Christ in yeah. Serbian. Yeah. So, yeah, I believe what you're asking about is... Uh, I found out at the dinner that about 90% of the people there would speak Serbian at a wedding I was doing this weekend. I thought, you know what? I am pretty cool. I'm going to learn me some Serbian. 
Right. Yeah. So I phonetically wrote out on my little place card where I was supposed to be sitting at the dinner how to say, I welcome you all in the name of Christ. Dobrodošli svima uimu Isuse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got it. That's awesome. I feel really cool doing that. But the problem was I didn't practice it enough. Went to the, you know, I'm at the table with the family and uh, say it. And whatever idiot created the Serbian language made it so in the name of Christ and between my breasts would just be one syllable away <laughs> and the crudest possible version of between my breasts. So, wow. so I declared to the family that I welcomed them all between my breasts, which seemed pretty welcoming, actually. I mean, on a scale of welcomeness, that takes a lot of welcoming. Yeah. yeah. So and and I and I had no idea that you know it was a strange reaction, people laughing, and then uh, many phone calls to Canada to relatives. Uh, I didn't know there were Serbians, you know, population in Canada. Lots of phone calls. Yeah. Thank you. So motorcycle last week between my breasts this week. I can't wait for next week on the Pirate Monk I, I, I podcast. I want you to say that again though. You sound like a. Yeah. <laughs> You know, next, you sound like a Russian week, mobster when you say it. I love that. Uh, I, I again. Yeah. You know what? Next week I'll bring you another one because uh, starting when I was 16, I uh, made a collection of foreign pickup lines. So that was like what I collected instead ah. of spoons. And so I have another <laughs> phrase. I have another phrase. So that you can I've been pick up women on. in any continent. Is that basically the oh, idea? Oh yeah, I mean Germany. Du siehst so heiß aus, du kuntos die Sonne schmelzen. You are so hot, you could melt the sun. Italian. Volevo dire ste che sei molto carina, me sei dwiegi vedo la luna. You are beautiful. I see the moon in your eyes. See, it's just it's a beautiful thing to be able Dude to. Pimp. Uh, <laughs> I did not know this. That's a pimp. So it had been like 15 years since I had added to my collection. And uh-huh. so next week, I, I will bring you, because I was really focused on, you know, yeah. welcoming people in the name of Christ. Next week, I will woo both of you mm-hmm. in the Serbian tongue, which I think is awesome. All right. But, and will you welcome us request, between your breasts? Is that the basic idea? Do, is that the pickup Dobro dosli svima uimu isuse. Uh-huh. Yes. There I'm you look, go. I'm looking forward to it. All right. All right. <laughs> Hey, uh, Mondo got a great email from from you and yeah. the, the uh, K Five and the Mojo Movement and all, yeah. everything you got going on here. Yeah. Tell us about the project. What right, you well, and John are doing? All right, well, John and I, my partner at K Five Presents, uh, we basically, long story short, we do children's music, Christian children's music. Yeah. Um, we partner with City Point Church in Brisbane, Australia, also with Oasis Church here in Nashville. Uh-huh. Uh We're we're recording a worship CD sung by children for children. Uh, that where where 100% of the proceeds of the CD will go towards the She Rescue Home in Cambodia. The She Rescue Home. 100% of the proceeds, not the profit. No, actually, 100% of the sale. So if every, you, nickel. every every nickel. Okay. So wow. we, we we've gotten everything donated. We've gotten songs donated. Uh-huh. Musicians have donated their time. Mm-hmm. Uh, John and I are, are donating all of our time and resources, mm-hmm. studio and everything. Uh, the actually we have a manufacturing company yesterday that just agreed to give the first 50,000 copies uh, wow. for free. Uh, so we, we're, I mean, everybody's donating. So if you give ten dollars, that entire ten dollars is going to Cambodia. Okay. Uh, now the She Rescue wow. Home. What, what she, what the She Rescue Home is, it's a home that rescues girls that have been raped, trafficked, prostituted, um, sex slaves. Yeah. This home, uh, they rescue these girls between five, ages five to fifteen. 
and they put them in basically a retreat called the, the She Rescue Home. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a whole lot of information around that. I would suggest you guys, if you have children, especially little girls, go check out the she, uh, SheRescue.com, uh-huh. and uh, you'll be blown away. Uh-huh. It, it'll change your life. So uh, John and I are going over there in November to to see the girls, to nice. serve to record audio of course we uh-huh. can't we cannot get video because right. of the the, the you right. know the uh <laughs> the things that could happen if mm-hmm. somebody saw them uh we're going to get audio we're going to uh record girls as uh, kids at city point church as well mm-hmm. and here in nashville from oasis so uh the cd will be released in january but what we're looking to do is spread the word yeah. um and well actually can we post it on our site or something like oh, that? Oh absolutely, yeah. Because we'll we'll put it up on the Samson site. So basically there's to make it really simple for guys, there's three things you can do to support. Um and what we'll, we put on the on the page you'll see when you kinda look at the document. But one way is obviously financially. Yeah. Uh, you can, you know, donate finances to support. Mm-hmm. Uh we've raised thirty five thousand dollars so far and we've only been doing this about three to four weeks. Wow. Um and wow. Uh, and what will thirty five thousand dollars buy? Thirty. Well, here's here's the here's the the, the cool thing, man. Um, the She Rescue Home is looking to purchase land, and I think about sixty acres is going to cost them about forty to fifty thousand dollars for sixty acres. Yeah, and then on top of that, less than a thousand dollars an acre. Right. Then on top of that, the homes uh, are only like fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars a piece to buy, which they need to expand because they're rescuing girls at a high rate. Okay. So. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, fifteen hundred dollars buys how big is, is, is buy, that? Buy. Is that first priority? So, like, there's thirty-five. You're ten thousand dollars away from land and a house. Right. Exactly. Is that the first thing they're going to buy? Yeah, that's the first thing. And okay. after okay. that, and wow. that, then after that, there's going to be you know food and supplies and clothing and yeah, things yeah. of that nature. Yeah, yeah. But they need more space. Right. Because uh, the further they here's here's the cool thing. The further they get away from the city of Phnom uh-huh. Penh, uh-huh. the the, the harder it is for a mother who's allowed to come back and claim her child who they the mother has sold into slavery oh. so they want to get the kids furthest away from the city as possible i see okay so the, so it makes it harder for the mothers to you know and wow. the parents who have sold their children to get to get back to the children right. and they end up reselling them again yeah so so, so that's that's common moms come find yeah. their kid claim them back sell them again and make another profit right so they they're trying to buy more property wow. further away from the city so it makes it more difficult for for moms to get there holy smokes um so, uh, so you know, so we partner with these churches, man, and there are several other organizations that have contributed, have donated. So one way is obviously financially. Yeah. Another way would be to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, her100percent.com. You can go there. The, the campaign is called Her 100 percent. Okay. So you can go to that website, 100percent.com. Do you spell it all out, or you yeah, use her, the digits? Yeah, Her 100 is the digits. Okay. Percent, spell it out. Okay. Dot com. Okay. Um, you can also. Uh, Record a little video of yourself mm-hmm. and say, my name is Aaron Porter, and I support her 100%. Okay. And then email it to us. Okay. So and mm. what, we're, what we're looking to do is, is put a Do you have to be Aaron Porter to... No, you don't have to be Aaron Porter. Just say you're Aaron no, Porter. No, no, come no, on. We could all be Aaron Porter. This is going to be, be awesome. a, yeah, it's going to be like a Spartacus moment. Okay. Yeah, anyway, shut so, your mouth over there. Yeah, so, I you know... I am Aaron hi, Porter hi, campaign. Exactly. Hi, I'm Mondo, <laughs> and I support her 100%. Right, yeah. And you can send uh, send the video to uh, the email address that's attached to the document. We'll put uh-huh. that on the website and okay. all that stuff, too. But it's really cool, man, because we're putting a collage together. 
together of you know there's a successful country artists who have who've come uh -huh, behind this effort uh -huh. christian artists yeah authors yeah art artists all kind of different people man okay. you know uh businessmen businesswomen yeah, right so we really want to make this thing a movement and, we, and john and i just had a little idea just to right. do a little cd yeah maybe yeah. sell about ten thousand units yeah 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 raise about a hundred thousand dollars yeah and then there you go but this thing has grown legs beyond what we ever imagined wow uh, how, how many how many projects like this are fully funded so that a hundred percent of the money goes to some? I've never heard. I've of never that. heard of such a yeah, thing. Yeah, none. It no. doesn't. It's never happened. That's why I wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, I had the idea actually in the shower. Yeah. And um, I came and talked to John about it, and uh, he said, "Man, well, is it possible?" I said, "Well, I, I think it is." Yeah. You know, if the thing is, if we just go around and say, "Okay, how do we get the songs for free?" Right. How do we license them? Make sure there's no royalties expected. Right. How do we make sure that uh, you know our musicians don't want to get paid? Right. Royalties and yeah, all that little kind of stuff. little things like that. How do yeah. I expect that nobody expects money? Right. For taking so, their stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm, a, uh -huh. I'm a big believer in you have not because you ask not. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I went around and was just bold enough, just asking guys. Look, yeah. man, this is what we're doing. You know, the train is moving. Get on or get out the way. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and in a polite <laughs> way. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. because this is something we really wanted to do, and yeah. we knew we knew it was possible. And the thing is, like you just—it's a good point what you just said, man. Because a lot of a lot of people doing what we do don't know that it's possible. We, yeah. we want to set the bar to show people that it is possible to do a project where 100% goes to a particular organization. Yeah. And yeah. and we were passionate about sticking to that. Yeah. So you know anywhere where there may be a cost, we figured out a way to get around that to yeah. make sure it was donated. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, it's gonna be top notch, man. Uh, it's it's crazy that the support we're getting. So Fantastic. we want to, and the guys who are listening to this, ladies who may be listening to this as well. If you have children, I'm telling you, go to uh, her100percent.com or you can go to sherescuehome.com. Uh -huh. Check out the details of what's going on. Okay. And you can see what we're gonna do is really gonna impact that that culture and that home over there big time. That is wonderful. So yeah, man. Okay, and we will be right back. On the right Pirate back. Monk podcast. podcast. Oh, pirate's life is a wonderful life, a roving over the sea. Give me a career as a buccaneer, it's the life of a pirate for me. Oh, the life of a pirate for me. Welcome back to the Pirate Monk podcast. Dobro dosli svima. Uime isuse. Time for the mini meeting, so Nate Larkin read us in. All right. Well, welcome to this mini meeting of the Samson Society. Uh, we're a company of Christian men. We're also natural loners who've escaped, uh, recognized the dangers of isolation, and are determined to escape them. Natural wanderers who are finding spiritual peace and prosperity at home. Natural liars who are now finding freedom in the truth. Natural judges who are learning how to judge ourselves aright. Natural strong men who are experiencing God's strength as we admit our weaknesses. As Christians, we meet at other times for worship, for teaching, or for corporate prayer. Today, however, we're, we meet to talk. Our purpose is to assist one another in our common journey. We do so by sharing honestly out of our own personal experience the challenges and... and, uh, and uh, uh, yeah. The challenges and encouragements of daily Christian living there in the fallen go. world. Uh, that thing is far away. I, I can you. barely see it. Okay. Uh, we've reached the sharing portion of our meeting now. In sharing, we speak honestly out of our own experience. We tell the truth about ourselves, uh, uh, leaving plenty of times for others, uh, and all that kind of good stuff. Today's topic 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I am suggesting okay. identity. Identity. Okay. Now, we're not confined to that subject, however. You may uh, speak about any subject that's currently commanding your attention. The floor is now open. Armando. Hey, Mondo. Hey, Mondo. Hey there, Mr. Porter. <laughs> um, identity. First thing that came to mind was um, I strive to be the person that God wants me to be and have that identity that God has given me and live within that versus the identity that I want to give myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all desire to do that. Mm-hmm. in our in our mind but do we really live it out yeah and uh that's one thing that uh, i want to I'm, I'm constantly checking um you know because what our identity and what we want to be and what we want to identify with a lot of times is based upon our, our aspirations or what we want people to think of us um you know how we want to be perceived how we want to be you know viewed in the world friends family etc and um and you end up chasing a lot of rabbits uh trying to fulfill those different desires and and uh and satisfy that that need to be accepted a certain way um that's stressful and and i found that out in the past uh where if if i identify myself and who i am with god with what god has already called me to be and what i am and what he's made me life is actually pretty easy in that regard Mm -hmm. uh it's less way less stressful Mm -hmm. there's no stress Mm -hmm. um and and I found that when my confidence is built in that, I'm not really concerned about performance. Mm-hmm. I'm not concerned about doing things to make people think a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I am what I am. My confidence is in what God and identity that God, has, how he's how he's made me even before I was here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, that's a constant thing I'm pursuing uh, versus trying to live up to the identity that people desire of me. Um, and you know, and it's when you're in the in the public, or you have a platform of some to some degree, uh, as all three of us do, uh, the, the pressure comes on sometimes to to establish a whole other identity, to maintain this good position with people, mm-hmm. and and there's 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 a pickle, man, mm-hmm. you know, to pickle because it's also comforting to know that people people like you. And you're satisfying their desire of how they want to see Mondo, how they want to see Nate or Aaron. Um, but then at the end of the day, after they're happy, then you go home and go to sleep. You can't sleep because you know you're faking the funk mm-hmm. and you're not being who, you, who you're called to be and who you're supposed to be. Um, and it's, it's that double life thing mm-hmm. that uh, at one point I, I had lived and, and now I, I run from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, again be, being in an influential place, there's always that tug. Mm. There's always that tug to be something that somebody else wants you to be. Um, or, you know, you uh, you guys probably relate to this. You know, somebody come up to you and they're just all over you. They're just praising you and giving you this and stroking you. And you're like, man, that feels great. And and then you just have this tug to to be this person they're describing. They're they're coloring it in. You're like, yeah, that's me, mm-hmm. and it feels so good. And then later on, you're like, who the hell am I kidding? <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of want to call that person back and say, you know what, I appreciate that, but uh, that that's really not who I am. You know, mm-hmm. I know that's how you see it, but uh, you know, and I've, I've actually had a few of those conversations mm-hmm. because 
after a while, man, I just get tired of chasing those those rabbits of what people want me to be and how they want uh, the identity they've given they've given me. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a huge one for me on a daily basis, uh, uh, weekly, monthly, whatever, mm-hmm. to just to make sure that uh, I'm being true to what God's called me to be, and knowing the fact in that some people may not be happy, mm-hmm. some people may not necessarily like it, mm-hmm. but are they supposed to? Mm-hmm. Am I living my life for them? Mm-hmm. N- you know, no. So, uh, but it's, it's a constant pickle that I think most of us uh, deal with to some degree in some form or fashion. Uh, but for me, that's a that's a constant thing that uh, that I'm, that's on my mind. So, I'm Mondo. Thanks, Mondo. Yep. Thanks, Mondo. Uh, I'm Nate. Hey, Nate. Hey, Nate. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, I think that perhaps the main challenge of life is to find out who you are and to be that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember as a kid being, uh, and, and even as an adult, being given, you know, the Christian platitude, which is find your identity in Christ. And mm-hmm. there's some real truth in that. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, you know, there's that scripture uh, that... Uh, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Uh, There were years when (laughs) finding my identity in Christ meant being the Messiah to me. Um, And so I really tried to be holier, uh, you know, more perfect, more righteous than I was, and I ran from my shadow, hid from my shadow, from my brokenness. And, and made sure to conceal it from everybody else and not really look at it myself. Felt so ashamed of my my weakness, uh, my brokenness, my tendency to wander. Uh, and, and predictably created the double life. Um, I'm grateful for a new definition of integrity, which is based on integration, not perfection. Um, and I now understand that to to know my identity, I really have got to, I can't run from, conceal, hide, or despise my shadow. Uh, I've got to have, I've got to engage daily in self-examination, something that we do in the Samson Society, one of the daily disciplines. And I've got to know that every one of my strengths has a corresponding weakness. Um... <laughs> every one of my strengths has a corresponding weakness and conversely every one of my weaknesses has a corresponding strength and to despise my weakness is to forfeit my strength um, I also know that um, I really need feedback from other people to get a true understanding of who I am I don't think I can really stay rooted in my my identity, the person, the Nate Larkin that God made, uh, the one that he knew from before the foundation of the world, that enduring me. I don't think I can really stay rooted in who I am without feedback from other people. Uh, Yes, I have to to look inward, and I've got to have a degree of self-knowledge, but I also need the contribution of other people not to define me but to reflect back to me faithfully what they see 
And, and that's one of the things I love about the Samson Society, about this kind of authentic brotherhood that we're building, is that I now have people in my life who are honest enough to tell me what they see. Uh, they don't have to distort. Uh, they don't have to flatter. They also don't have to condemn. They can give me a straight-up uh, description of what they see when they look at me. And that's extremely useful because, you know, I, uh, <laughs> there are whole parts of my life that I can't see because I'm inside it. I need, uh, you know, I've got blind spots that are enormous. Um, and I also have a very poor memory. Uh, and I'm prone to bouts either of uh, self-aggrandizement or self-hatred. And I really need the stabilizing influence of other people who will remember and will remind me who I am. And who, when I'm acting like an idiot, will say, Nate, that's not you. Uh, or when I'm getting too inflated, will say, Nate, that's really not you. Um, I need the gracious support of other people in order to maintain an identity. To me, identity is a very slippery thing, and I find myself kind of falling in and out of who I am. I like you, Mondo. I love that. I love those times when I know I am who I am. I'm doing what I was made to do. I'm I'm a man among men. I'm not any I'm not trying to be any bigger and I'm not any smaller. I'm 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 part of the whole. I'm doing what I was made to do. And and that is a wonderful restful place. I find it difficult to stay there. Uh, and I know that uh, I can't stay there alone. I also know that I can't stay there if I don't maintain on a daily basis some kind of inward look. I'm Nate. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Nate. I'm Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Uh, the, this word is really important to me. has been for a long time. Uh I grew up learning what the gospel meant to save other people, uh, a gospel into salvation, but not a gospel for saved people. And in my mid-20s, I fortunately was given a textbook, uh, Watchman Knees, The Normal Christian Life, and the first hundred pages was amazing, and it was really about what it means to be a Christian. And so identity started shifting for me from that side where my identity was all built on performance. And because so many people wanted something from me, I almost I almost liked if you rejected me as long as it was not based on truth. I'm very sensitive to criticism that I agree with. But if you criticize me and I don't agree with you, then it's actually just one less person who will want something. <laughs> so the pendulum starts <laughs> swinging. But at the at the far other side, and, and I I kind of feared this from the beginning. I mean, it was it was really exciting to let go of identity based on the stuff I did and and just the real. I mean, like you said, Nate the. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, and in Christ I'm a new creature. I've been crucified with Christ. I'm dead. This is this is a Christ thing. This isn't a me thing. Uh, 
But on the other side, uh, identity sometimes gets confusing as to how to behave because I personally do better if you just give me eight rules. Mm-hmm. And, and gospel freedom, where my identity is totally in Christ, yes, I desire to live out that reality and all of the spiritual goodness but my flesh keeps saying but I'm still hungry but now I don't feel the same level of guilt and shame because guilt and shame come when my identity's being screwed with mm-hmm. so then when you lose a lot of that guilt and shame it, sin actually becomes harder to deal with in certain ways because you're not feeling the guilt and shame that you know who you are in Christ and all you have left to motivate holy living is because you love Jesus more than yourself. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm not living that, it actually bums me out a lot more. I'd rather just break your stupid rules. I can live with that. Mm-hmm. But proof that those rules didn't actually mean anything in Christ because I am a new creature. Uh, I don't know. That's... That's been really hard the last couple of years when I've had patches of just feeling down or struggling with sin, that that my identity is not shaken actually breaks my heart a lot more than it used to. Yeah. So that's what I think about identity. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. And we'll be back with our guest here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Nailed at the altar My prayers make them tall Nevertheless Oh Nevertheless I like to eat At my friend Cause's place Gumbo and red beans I thrust down my face Still the main reason why I take so much space Nevertheless, oh, nevertheless I'd like to help Richard Johnson reveal Blood damaged homes off of Elysian fields I'm not much help, but it helps me to heal I need to heal Smoke a cigar to help me to think. Gives me a lift when I'm starting to sink. I know they're bad for my health and they stink. Nevertheless, oh, nevertheless. And we're back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Our guest this week, I've been looking forward to this. Our guest this week is uh, a guy who's become a trusted friend, a licensed uh, marriage and family therapist here in Middle Tennessee. In fact, president of the Nashville Area Association of Christian Counselors. I agree. For, right? Former. 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 Oh, really? Yes. I decided to step down and to let somebody much more capable take over. Okay. And, the, and you're running for president? For the, you're running for the Republican I still nomination? Them, I, I still ask them to call me president. <laughs> <laughs> do um, they listen to you that's the question no uh, <laughs> there it is uh, a, a fellow who I've referred several couples to and I, I continue to get 
just rave reviews about uh, your work. We've had some conversations about, uh, Rob, about your focus in therapy. Um, and it's really uh, because of that focus that I really wanted to have you on. Uh, you specialize in something called emotionally focused therapy. That's right. Can you give us kind of a thumbnail? Uh, yeah, thumbnail emotionally focused therapy is, and by the way, I'm I'm trained in it. There's levels of training, and so I'm working towards certification. I've got everything I need to be certified. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could say I'm certifiable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm working towards that. So I, uh, and it's it's something that takes about I, about a year of training to do, a mm-hmm. little over a year with supervision and everything. Yeah. But basically, emotion-focused therapy, it starts with uh, one of the differences It's based in attachment theory, Mm -hmm. adult attachment theory. Mm -hmm. And the significance of that is that then impacts how how the problem is diagnosed. The problem is not necessarily the communication. The problem is not necessarily the uh, problem-solving skills or lack of insight. Those are seen as symptoms of a problem. The the issue a problem between a couple. The couple comes right. in, couples in distress. Right. Kind of classic marital therapy. Okay, let's improve our communication skills. Right. Let's figure out how to analyze the problem. Let's right. let's let me let's teach you how to fight so that you can resolve conflict better. And and this school of therapy says those are really symptoms. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's that the issue is the lack of connection. Uh, and and this issue is you know what the Bible talks about oneness to becoming one. Yeah. Uh, what what EFT talks about is a secure base and a safe haven, mm-hmm. but it's really interchangeable. And the, and the other thing about EFT, which is what it's called for short, EFT, is there is a lot of research actually validating the approach. Yeah. It's it one of the things about a lot of therapy is you know a lot of types of therapy is it's somewhat um, kind of put together. Uh, there's not there isn't this is a technique that has certain stages and steps mm-hmm. to move along and it's all based in theory which has then research to back it up and yeah. show that it's effective yeah now the core of emotional uh, fo- focus therapy is uh, as you say uh, 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 attachment theory right uh, so explain attachment. We all have this deep need to be connected, right? Right. Attachment theory, you know, when, when uh, in Genesis, when God says it's not good for man to be alone, I mean, we've got to remember that was when Adam was in paradise and it was before the fall. Perfect mm. relationship with God in paradise. And God is the one who said it's not good for man to be alone. I think one, that shows just how unselfish God is. But two, it shows that part of being made in God's image is that we're made for connection. We're made for relationship. And so attachment theory, which is not Christian-based, it's a, it's a secular theory, but basically what it says is uh, emotional connection, emotional attachment is a basic need. It's more than just the icing on the cake. It's more than just something that's kind of nice if you have it. Mm-hmm. It's actually something that is tied into our survival yeah. and that we need it to survive. So can can you define that in the context of a marriage, what a marriage needs right. in attachment looks like what? So so a secure attachment would look like really what I call these two questions of connection. Do I matter to you? It's a yes answer to the question, do I matter to you, which means essentially it's another kind of way to ask about acceptance. Do you accept me for who I am? When I, look, when I see myself in your eyes, do I see myself as worthy? Mm. You know, do you, do you, is who I am, faults and all, what you want? This is kind of question, do I matter? And the other question is, can I count on you? Will you be there when I need you? 
when I reach for you, will you respond? Mm. That, and, and the thing about this is, and I think one of, the, one of the other parts of this, when we talk about attachment and we talk about knowing the answer, knowing a yes answer to those questions, I'm not talking about the part of the brain we're using right now. Mm-hmm. The part of the brain which is our frontal lobe, the part of the brain that helps us with logical thought and consciousness. I'm talking about the part of the brain uh, that is that is where the fear response is located. Mm. If you've heard of the fight, flight, or freeze, this is the amygdala. And this is about so experience. What? Oh. Go ahead. Well, so let me. Do, so, so what that means is, so you know, I can see there's three of us here in the room, or four of us. You know, three of you looking at me, and you're focused on me right now because your amygdala has told you that you're physically safe. Mm-hmm. That happened without you being consciously aware. But if I said, you know, hey, there's a rattlesnake in here somewhere that I yes. just saw, you probably wouldn't be focused on me. Right. But your amygdala, without you being consciously aware of it, has told you you're physically safe. And one mm-hmm. of the things now is. As neuroscience is advancing, as, as uh, these MRIs and all this, the, the tools have become more advanced, they're able to map out what happens in our brain and what they see. And there's, there are experiments to back this up. What they see is our brain codes this emotion, this disconnection. It codes it the same way it codes physical danger. And our amygdala kicks in, and all this stuff takes over before we, before we even know it. Ah. So if I don't feel accepted, safe... Uh, and significant within my relationship, uh, I'm going to be motivated by a deep subconscious fear response, mm-hmm. uh, and and I can say and do then crazy things. It'll basically. Well, oh, go ahead. Well, I uh, yeah, and I don't want you to move on too fast because I think for a lot of Christian couples, if if I line up the people in my head right now that have come in for counseling they would say yes to the second question because their spouse is going to be there and obviously there's different kinds of being there like how emotionally are you there when you're being there but they have they have some degree of confidence my spouse they're going to be there when i hit the bottom they're not going to bail on me mm-hmm. but as to question 1 that's a no so you got a one no and a one yes what happens with couples when it's not a yes to both or a no to both, but it's a no and a yes. What's that look like? That's a no. It's got to be a yes to both. And so what happens wow. is we, you know, I mean, let me kind of back up a little bit and give a kind of a broad brush stroke of, of what happens then. How Because the, now what you're starting to talk about are these negative cycles that can start to happen mm-hmm. with couples where one is in the more demanding spot and the other one's in the more withdrawing spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's what, what you just talked about is the setup for that. And, and so what happens, you know, when it comes down to it, we can basically do three things in relationship. We can move toward one another, and that's, that's what we talked about, a secure bond. It's this, with adult relationship, it's this mutual uh, coming towards one another, vulnerability, you know, mm-hmm. intimacy is all there. And, when, and, again, this idea of oneness. Yeah. Okay, that's the one. The other thing we can do is move against. Mm-hmm. That's going at, right? That looks much more aggressive. It can look much more critical, right? That's the, that is, we're going at that person. And the third is we can move away. Right. That's kind of what it sounds, move away. We distance. That could be physical, but it can also be emotional because actually that move away response is that happens within a person first. First, they kind of take themselves out of their emotional experience. Mm -hmm. And that can be by going into their intellect. Mm -hmm. That can be by focusing on another activity like work or something else. Or it can be where addictions happen, you know, just kind of numbing out. 
And so now you've got these three things we can do. Well, so the question becomes, how do we move toward? How do we do that? Because that's where, that's what we're made for. That's where this connection happens. But the problem is we need to feel safe to do that because it's vulnerable. And that's where we come back to this idea of these questions of connection. We need a yes answer to both of those questions. Yeah. If there's a, a no to one, we're not safe. And now we've only got two options. Right? We either move against or we move away. Right. And you see, actually, that's the fight, the flight or freeze. Right. And how this this uh, fear response kicks in. And, and again, I can't stress this enough. This is not necessarily an intellectual process. Mm-hmm. This happens within our bodies. This happens to us. It's a reaction that happens. It's it's almost like uh, I was driving down to Atlanta a few months ago, and and I'm driving, and all of a sudden my st- I feel my stomach drop, and my foot goes over onto the brake. Mm-hmm. Then consciously I realize there was a, a trooper doing radar. Yeah. And so this perceived threat, my body responded to that before my intellect even really knew what was happening. Right, yeah. And that's that happens in relationship. Another thing that uh, that research shows is we in nanoseconds we read a, fa- a person's face. Yeah. And then our body reacts to that. That's yeah. primary emotion. Right? That's diff- Oh, pause, pause, yeah. pause, yeah. pause. <laughs> So the whole How do you say that in Serbian? thing. Okay. Yes. All right. Zlojnjungstjak. <laughs> okay. All right. I don't know. I can't. I can't fake Serbian. I'm not around it enough. Uh, that's huge. I mean, you're on a roll. You were going somewhere. Please remember where you were going. But uh, classic guy line mm-hmm. is, well, that's not what I said. That's not what I meant. Yeah. Right. And I find that my wife is 95% right when she says, that's how I feel about what you just said. And I say, that's not what I said. That's not what I meant. Because you're saying there's something right. much deeper that is very accurately yeah. interpreting. And it goes both ways. I mean, women give tons of nonverbals as far as you're safe with me. I accept you and desire yeah. you. Versus, oh, fine, we can have sex. Those are the words, but... There's tons of rejection built into those words through every other form of communication. So you're speaking of some important layers that are way before we start saying, what, I said we could have sex. What, I said that's not what I meant. Right. So hit that a little more because I'm thinking, you know, not of myself, but of <laughs> the audience listening to this <laughs> that don't understand these things. Yeah. I think I think the trap the, <laughs> the trap that you're talking about is... We and I think men we we maybe tend to fall into this a little more. Although I got to tell you, in my practice, I have women on the other side of that. I mean, yeah. I, I it's it's not so definitely all men. But what you're talking about is this uh, this idea of coming at an emotional issue with an intellectual solution. Right. Right. It doesn't the, for an emotional issue we need an emotional solution that that actually by trying to go back and say that's not what I said. Where now we've kind of gone to intellect mm-hmm. and understanding, and we've gone to try to fix a problem when actually what our spouse needs is our presence, right? Not our performance. They actually need our presence. And so we stop for a moment, you know, because there's, a, there's uh, maybe injury is too strong of a word, but there's definitely a break in the connection at that moment. Mm-hmm. And so what we need to do... You know, it's actually kind of what I call kissing the boo-boo. I've got mm-hmm. a two-year-old, and when she falls... And and she bumps her knee or something like that. She wants me to kiss her boo-boo. And I think what I'm doing there is I'm saying, okay, I see that 
there's an injury. I see that there's something has happened here. Yeah. That moves me. That affects me. Right. And yeah. I care about that. Yeah. Yeah. And so and so the grown up version of that is. Is that what you heard? You heard me say that. Gosh, yeah. if you really believed that, I can understand why, you know, why that would why that would affect you that way. Yeah. And so we still need to go back and correct the perception. Let me tell you what I meant. Mm-hmm. But we first have to acknowledge and validate the break. Yeah. And so it's coming. Okay. So we start with the emotional solution to acknowledge and validate this was the experience. Yeah. And then can go to help. If we go right to try to help with the perception, all it sounds like is we're invalidating yes. the emotion. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's more so, the order of things. So would you say the most common I mean this is this is my experience, so I wanna know if if you've got more. The most common guy thing is to say things that verbally wound wives and then the guy retreats to that's not what I said, that's not what I meant, so you're wrong mm-hmm. and that's it's fighting against that. And the woman version is, I am going to submit to the act of intimacy in some way, the way I know you want, but my nonverbal is going to tell you that you are a chore, you are not desired. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing, but in two different ways. And those seem to be the most common that I see of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a way almost taking instead of. Instead of going to repair the bond, uh, in terms of from the, from the woman's side, instead of repairing the bond, um, it's kind of a bargain. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that actually, I think in the Christian world, we can kind of fall into um, this mistake of of trying to address differences with a, with uh, the bargain of men give more date nights, women give more sex. Yeah, and that's kind of the bargain we're going to make. But then what happens is it becomes this chore, right? Yeah. Sex, rather than a celebration and expression of this emotional closeness, that sex becomes something that I give in order to get something else. That the motivation is, is really kind of a, uh, at some levels a fear of staying out of disconnection versus a joy yeah. and a bond, you know, yeah. of building the bond. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so it happens, you know, and, and so... What happens the the where this starts to play out as we talk about you know these nonverbals and what happens then under the surface because we might be talking about money sex kids on the top underneath we're arguing about the connection and we're really both fighting for the connection and the move against is a kind of protest saying mm-hmm. we're not connected you, you know you need to fix it it kind of becomes more of a demand mm-hmm. and on the withdraw side on the move away side it's we're not connected. Let's just kind of let things settle and blow over, so that we don't, so that we don't lose our connection even more mm-hmm. as it gets more volatile. And, mm-hmm. and is that is that where the uh, addiction behaviors come out? I've now been rejected. I don't trust that you. So one of those two questions or both is not being answered. Therefore, here is my safest place to go retreat to: false intimacy. In some, yeah, I think what what addiction, I mean, that's a good question because that process starts usually way before the relationship, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, the husband and wife, that this is a, this has been the, 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 whether it's acting out or substance, whatever that addiction is, is a way to fix the problem of this fear of rejection that actually then creates another problem. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's this, 
it's this misguided attempt at self-repair in a sense. And so what I've found is the one, the, the, the person in that spot that's moving away, mm-hmm. there's usually, there's shame under there. Yeah. And I mean, we see that certainly in yeah. addictions. Yeah. And so this shame, uh, this idea of shame is, is what we call this model of self that is unlovable, unworthy of care. Yeah. And so what I've, what I've learned in a sense Usually early on, you know, there's a lot of times trauma. I think we see a lot, right? Which, which childhood trauma, another way from an attachment lens, is a violation of human connection. Yeah. You know, this kind of that early on, I've learned that in order for me to maintain this relationship that's important to me, I've got to silence these parts of me, silence these needs, right? This need to know mm-hmm. that uh, these these feelings and fears are okay to have. Yeah. And so we learn to shut those off, but but that's not how we're designed. Right? Yeah, we're not made yeah. for that. Yeah. And so eventually we find a way to numb yeah. and in some ways escape and feel yeah. good and then carry that same strategy. Right? Yeah. From an attachment perspective, addiction is, is looked at as a kind of strategy, as a way to deal with this fear of rejection, fear of abandonment. Yeah. Because the other, si- the other side of those needs are these fears. Yeah. Um, and we see... Well, go ahead. This absolutely fascinates me, by the way, the attention, uh, the connection between attachment and addiction. Yeah, yeah, it's. So, it, oh, go ahead. Well, yeah, I, you know, I don't want to leave you out, Nate, altogether. But you said something now, so I feel free to fo- ask another follow-up question. Sure, go right ahead. Because your voice has been heard on this podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> With what you're saying right now, which which is. Uh, I'm I'm with you, Nate. I think this is really important stuff. Um, with both men and women, I've seen this and I've heard it defined this way. And I, and I'd be curious if you would echo this or would have some thoughts. That <clears throat> for those who have been hurt in the way you've just described as a child, say seven years old, ten years old, at the point that they have any realization that they're being hurt or emotionally abandoned in this way, that in the relationships following that, they're trying to get that need met. So many Mm -hmm. times in the relationship between a husband and a wife, a husband is really trying to get the need of that 10-year-old that got hurt this way, or the Mm -hmm. wife is trying to get the need of this 8-year-old whose mom didn't love her in this way by their spouse. And it's never going to work. Even if their spouse did everything they thought they needed, they will never again be a 7-year-old or a 10-year-old. Nobody can ever meet that need again because they'll never be that age again. They've moved Mm -hmm. on. They're a man or a woman. But emotionally, they're desperate to get that little kid's need met, Mm -hmm. which ties a lot into the attachment piece that that was broken there. And I keep going back there to repair it. Mm -hmm. And... Part of that process is I have to realize that is not me anymore. I can grieve that. I can mourn that. It was wrong that it was not given, but that's not the relationship I'm in now. Mm-hmm. What say you? Yeah, what's your take on that? Okay, well, I, I, may tw- I may turn it a little bit. I agree with a lot of that, um, and but I may actually challenge a little bit because I actually think, and and part of the... Part of what I, why I love what I do and the mm-hmm. moments that I really work towards and just, you know, these sacred moments are when 
someone can we've we've worked to build a secure attachment in the yeah. relationship and that's the point they go back yeah. to this trauma to this this knee this mo- these moments these real you know seminal moments yeah. and they go through them again only this time they've got their partner there to say but that's not you yeah. right yeah. this that the your that's your parents because as a child we can't really separate we don't have the brain structure we don't have the life experience mm-hmm. to know that this is about our parents yeah. and wh- how we and it's pretty helpless yeah and so what we do then is we basically say this must be me yeah and we carry that we carry that model of ourselves that we're somehow broken that we're somehow not acceptable mm-hmm. that this part that we're damaged yeah. and a lot of the shame this kind of idea that we're that uh, that there's that we're defective yeah and carry that carry that through and so yes there is this real drive to to and, and the addiction to try to uh, basically fix that part yeah. and it can't be fixed that way but the the these great moments that happen in the counseling room it, when the, the the recovering addict says this secure connection this is what i've been trying to get yeah with my addiction this is the these feelings this peace that i have when i'm actually feeling securely connected this is actually what i've been searching for and so what happens is you're right you're absolutely right we can't go back and change the past mm-hmm. but what we do what you can do is change your ex- your experience of that memory yeah and so what happens and this is something that as again as neuroscience really advances and they start to look at how the brain works what they start to see is actually memories are not these metal lock boxes that you know it goes in there and that's just how it is we actually as we remember we re- refire these neurons and and there's an emotional part of that memory and so what happens in secure attachment when a when a person can go back because what they've done up until this point is shut that off that's yeah, too yeah. painful right, to go right. there alone right that's 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 too painful and so they they learn to just we shut it off we don't go in that room right close that door and but when they can go back and they can have uh, an intimate other a spouse say mm-hmm. go there with them mm. and have a different experience of that memory mm. actually get comfort and reassurance as they're going back through it it changes the memory and it changes them yeah 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 one of the All key right, insights for me you know we're going to have to yeah. wind this thing down uh, time is just yeah. flying you're going to have to come back rob on an, on a an, uh, sometime in the next few months we're going to have to have you back if, you, if you'll do that yeah. i'd love to yeah. Yeah, a key insight for me came a few years ago when I heard Stan Mitchell say, I'm 45 years old, but I'm also 44, I'm 43, I'm 42, I'm 41. Mm. Uh, and I have found that to be true mm-hmm. for me, that I, I, I carry with me uh, all my experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful that there is plasticity in the brain. Mm-hmm. That means that healing is possible. Mm-hmm. Uh Man, what a fantastic! Did you have a, a final question here? No, I. I mean, it's it's t- this is all totally unfair, because I think this is so core to a lot of our listeners' lives. Mm. But it's that core place they they can't simply see that. What you see is is, is that place you cop out to. It's mm-hmm. not usually the core place <laughs> that is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Was that was that too zen right there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, I'm, this whole conversation is semi-unfair that I know for people that haven't 
heard anything about attachment, it's it's kind of a big hmm. Because the most obvious question is, what do I do for a first step for myself? What do I do for a first step to love my spouse better? Yeah, maybe so, we maybe we go there. Can we teach? Um, yeah, how do we? How do? How, let's say let's say we got a listener right now, and they're struggling in their marriage, and you, from a great distance, not even knowing them, can give them, mm-hmm. you know, one piece of coaching, something to do. Uh, to shift the conversation and to move toward emotional connection, where would you go? Um, that's a that's really tough because we're talking about safety now, and safety is not something we create on our own. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's part of the problem of all of this, isn't it? Kind of, and part of the performance that happens with in addictions, especially this idea that I just need to do better if I can do better. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so, really, what I what I would say is. This um, there's there's no way around this without risk. Mm-hmm. There's vulnerability. This risk of being known, mm. right? Make that the goal versus performing. Yeah. And that and that your needs are okay. To the need to be loved, especially you know, for us, for men in our culture, we're supposed to be able to just you know kind of pull ourselves up and go and not have these kinds of needs. And I think a lot of times we, uh, as a way of avoiding that, go again into our intellect and say, yeah, I know this. This is something I know. But but needs and comfort kind of work like food. You know, when we're hungry, we don't need an explanation of food. Right, right? yeah. We need an experience of food. Yeah. We need to right. actually eat the food in order to not be hungry. Thinking about it and kind of taking playing a mental exercise here doesn't work. Yeah. So, to, so the, the person, the people struggling now... I mean, the first part, and this is what's so great about Samson, is it, don't try to do this alone. Yeah. And that also, that this, that in terms of building the marriage, this isn't just up to one side. Yeah. And I, I tell I tell couples, you know, and part of EFT, which again I think is so great about this model, is we break down the first part, the first stage, is really looking together at this negative cycle that happens. That. In the negative cycle, it looks like the other person's the enemy, and we're going back and forth. Yeah. But in this process of stage one, we start to see the cycle's the enemy, and yeah. it gets us both. Yeah. And we both get triggered, and when, when I, one gets triggered, we get real angry and critical and demanding. Mm-hmm. The other, we, we pull away and withdraw. Mm-hmm. And then the more one withdraws, the more the other gets afraid and fearful and gets more critical the more critical the more dangerous they look the more withdrawal right? so we start to see that this negative cycles the enemy are actually allies in it and so what I tell couples is you don't have to be perfect in this you know I'm not perfect in it with my wife yeah this isn't about being perfect this is about doing it together yeah and, th- and so oh wonderful so if a couple I mean I would love for guys to say and, and I just might do it myself say hey wife I want you to listen to this podcast with me and we listen together and then you say to find a counselor that understands these things you'd be looking for what and if you were going to get say a book or two to help understand and honor each other they would be what the the uh, finding a counselor an emotionally focused uh, uh, therapy type of counselor again it takes training and there is a special listserv where you can type in a, a, a zip code mm-hmm. and find one who's trained in the area. Uh, it's the I-C-E-E-F-T. That's the... I-C-E-E-F-T. The, right. 
Yeah, and I, I'm not sure exactly what the website is for that, but if you do that and okay. type that in Google, you should be able to find yeah. it. And then you uh, recommend okay. Hold Me Tight? Definitely Hold Me Tight and Anatomy of the Soul by Kurt Thompson. Make sure there's two mm-hmm. anatomies, so get the Kurt Thompson, Anatomy of the Soul. Okay. And what he did, that book is taking neuroscience. It's actually out this year, 2011, so it's a new book. Uh, but he takes neuroscience and Christianity and puts it together. And it's fascinating about, you know, when Romans 12 talks about renewing the mind, mm-hmm. that, that uh, that's all attachment, you wow. know, attachment stuff. So. Yeah. Well, I can't believe we have come so quickly to the end of this podcast. Rob, thank you so much for taking time away yeah. from your practice to join us. Uh, fellas, it's been great. Uh, can you send us off? Of you? Oh, well, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna torture Aaron with demands for you know sound bites in Serbian from now on. Uh, yeah, give us a fake uh, Serbian goodbye, will no, you, Aaron? No. You know what? I I found uh, my pickup line. Yalishma mapu, gubina se untvoja oči. Do you have a map? Because I keep getting lost in your eyes. <laughs> And you're going to want to tune in next week to hear Aaron's next helpful foreign pickup line. Until then, Nate, Aaron, and Mondo saying goodbye for the Pirate Monk Podcast.